Team Folk, it's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Welcome to episode number four, where in this episode, we're going to talk with Consensus All-American, Micah Parsons, and Consensus All-American, LeVar Arrington, in what is perhaps the most fun that I've ever had in an interview, and you're going to figure out why. Also, spoiler, chess, right? We're also going to get into some wide receiver comparisons. Some of these dudes are going to get drafted very, very highly, and you want to know what you're buying. So I came up with some comps for you that we'll get toward the end of the episode. But again, if you are here, please leave a five-star review for the number one ranked show. And hey, man, let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. And leave a question there because I may get to it as I'm going to do later in the show. But before we get into that, I want to talk about this. It's NFL Draft Week, so let's start with that. Four days left, and Ohio State is in the midst of a quarterback battle. No, not the one going on presently between three talented freshmen, and none of whom has thrown a pass in a game in the scarlet and gray, but with that of Justin Fields. It's them versus perception, and that's a tough game to win. Fields, you might know, is considered one of the best quarterback prospects available in this year's draft, and people are still finding ways to doubt that. First, there was the reckless opinion that he doesn't work hard enough. Now, there's the report last week that he manages epilepsy, which is a neurological disorder that can cause seizures. It's true. It's also true that Buckeye coach Ryan Day tweeted the same day news of Fields' epilepsy broke, quote, Justin's health, toughness, and work ethic have never been an issue, and I am incredibly proud of his professionalism and the character he displays on and off the field. The fact that he never missed a game at Ohio State speaks volumes about how he takes care of himself, end quote. It's also true that Fields led a campaign to play football last fall, even after the Big Ten canceled the season. He risked more than most, and yet he wanted to play through a pandemic. It's true that he chose to enroll early at Georgia, foregoing millions and a professional baseball career because he wanted to continue to pursue his dream of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's also true that Fields continued to play against Clemson after what he described as a bowling ball hitting him in his side after James Skalski led with his head into Fields' ribcage. He finished the game against a Brent Venables defense, 22 of 28 for 385 yards with six touchdowns and just one interception. It's true that Fields led Ohio State to its first national title game appearance in seven years. As I wrote on FoxSports.com earlier this month, the San Francisco 49ers gave up two future first-round picks and a 2021 third-rounder to move up nine spots to number three in the draft. You don't make that kind of move mortgaging your future unless you believe that you have a chance to draft the most important player to your franchise over the next decade. The Niners also outlined for us what most NFL front office members and draft analysts have believed since January. There are three franchise quarterbacks in this draft class, and they're all household names. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. If the Jets decided to run a double move and draft Fields instead of Wilson, 
you can be just as certain that the Niners will draft Wilson. Somehow, though, NFL Twitter has talked itself into the 49ers taking North Dakota State's Trey Lance or Alabama's Mac Jones, while Fields is said to be all over the board. Hall of Fame scout Gil Brandt tweeted that he has heard from one NFL club that has a fourth-round grade on Justin Fields. Even if that's the worst backhanded he's a Russell Wilson type who was drafted in the third round, compliment in history, the thought that Fields grades out as a fourth-rounder is preposterous. Moving up to draft Lance, though, like, why would you do that? Same reason you move up to draft Jones. Because you wouldn't. Jones finished his last season in college with an undefeated record and a national title, like Lance, who started the same number of games. Jones set the single-season NCAA passer efficiency rating record, threw 41 touchdown passes with four interceptions, and finished third in the 2020 Heisman balloting. We can play the numbers and awards game until the Detroit Lions finally win a Super Bowl, or we can watch the tape. And what does the tape show? Shows Lance is mobile. He didn't play with a bunch of studs, but how many studs are there in the FCS? Jones is about as mobile as an angry snail, and he did play with a bunch of studs, arguably the most talented class in college football history. He also played in all-conference schedule in the toughest league in the sport. Still, so many people want to believe that you don't need a mobile quarterback in the NFL because Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl ring. While that's not inaccurate, only two quarterbacks have won NFL MVP by unanimous vote. One is Brady. The other is Lamar Jackson, the most mobile quarterback this side of Mike Vick. That, quite frankly, is a trait Shanahan did not have the chance to play with as an offensive coordinator in Atlanta or during his first four seasons as a head coach in San Francisco. He knows an immobile quarterback can't turn a bad play call or broken play into a positive game or a touchdown. He also knows an immobile quarterback was what he had in losing both of his Super Bowl appearances. The mystique around Jimmy Garoppolo was strong in New England. It lost some of its shine after his move to San Francisco, even as the Niners made a run to the Super Bowl in 2019. But it was totally lost when 100 million people saw Jimmy Garoppolo throw in the football with his eyes closed in the biggest game of the year. Add to this the injury he's coming off of, and you can see how enticing the prospect of a 6'3", 230-pound Justin Fields can be. It's not that Fields and Ohio State began their season in November. It's that they still managed to play in the national title game in January. It's also that Fields has shown over and over again that he is accurate with the ball. His teammates want to follow him, and he can play through pain. Fields is the best athlete available at quarterback, and he showed that again at Ohio State's Pro Day. Both of them. He ran 4.44 seconds in the 40-yard dash. Makes him one of the 10 fastest quarterbacks on record ever and the fastest since Lamar Jackson. But that's also what the conversation around Fields has missed. You know who went third overall in the 2018 NFL Draft? Sam Darnold. Do you know what his TD to INT ratio was at USC? 
57 to 22. Do you know who's likely to go second overall in this year's draft? Zach Wilson. Do you know what his TD to INT ratio was at BYU? 56 to 15. And the man many believe is the sunshine gold standard in this class, Trevor Lawrence, his TD to INT ratio at Clemson was 90 to 17, or about 5.3 TDs for every pick. Justin Fields' TD to INT ratio at Ohio State, 63 to 9, or 7 TDs for every pick. That's nearly two touchdowns better than the presumptive number one overall selection, and yet you doubt him. Still, one of the front office types that is on Pro Football Network, Tony Pauline, said Justin Fields stares down the primary target too much. He doesn't look away from his primary target. He doesn't process things as quickly as people want him to. During the Senior Bowl, it was mentioned that there was one team that had broken down Justin Fields' passes in 2020. They said just seven times he looked off the primary target. The other 200-plus passes he threw were to the primary target. Okay, and then there's this from Pro Football Focus who graded the first read for most quarterbacks with a minimum of 60 attempts and found that Matt Jones, 75.7. It's found that Trevor Lawrence was at 78.6. Found that Trey Lance was at 87.2. Found that Zach Wilson was at 90.1. And found that, best of all, Justin Fields, 90.6. Now that's Fields, that's Lawrence, that's Wilson, that's Lance, and that's Jones who have each gone through their respective pro days. And the response has been predictably reactionary. Confirmation bias is in its full glory. But Justin Fields has everything you'd want in an NFL quarterback. The Niners know that. Why don't you? Okay, guys, I want to talk with Micah Parsons and LeVar Arrington because, well, I want you to hear it because I got to talk about it. It's so much fun because those dudes were getting after it. And they fell right into this conversation about player comps and what you're looking for and how the old heads can really help the new youth come along in a much more brilliant and cool way. All right, let's talk with LeVar and Micah. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I'm here with Penn State legend LeVar Arrington. And I don't mind saying it, Penn State legend Micah Parsons. Going to chop it a little, a little bit ahead of the NFL draft. Uh, Mr. Arrington, thank you so much for being here. Mr. Parsons, thank you so much for being here. And I got to know Micah just a little bit, but Mr. Arrington, I wanted to ask you, and in, in, in all seriousness, what is it like to see another version of the kind of player you were coming out of Penn State headed to the NFL draft? Another version? I mean, he's, the, he's his first version. Mm. Um, he's, he's pretty unique, um, and, and I noticed that about him immediately. Um, just his, his approach to life, his, his attitude, he's, he's really, um, someone that I gravitated to very quickly and, and just knew that, you know, he was special when I first saw him. And that was where the whole idea of branding him and, and being a part of the, the, the stick city lineage, um, he was, he was worthy of of taking that chance I didn't feel like it was too big of a risk to to watch him don the the two ones um at Penn State you know that's that's a number that has has grown into prominence and 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 just you know if you're wearing number 11 especially at Penn State that there's something uh truly amazing about 
you know, who you are. Uh, Navarro Bowman wore that number. I wore that number. Uh, Brandon Bell wore that number. And, and Micah Parsons, um, to me, uh, represents the best of us. You know, and and so I'm pretty excited. Uh, it, it meant a lot for for me. It was humbling that he would actually take on the challenge of it. Um, and it's just you know, it's it's been a cool journey. It's been cool watching him grow and watching him mature, and and just just seeing how he's never he's never turned into a different person. He never got brand new on anybody. And you know, I really respect how Micah handles things. Micah, what does it mean for you to be able to put together a, a mentorship with a player and a person like Mr. Arrington? Uh, honestly, it meant a lot. You know, uh, when he reached out to me coming out of high school and then, you know, uh, helped me not just physically but mentally, you know, uh, my journey in college, I feel like I bring a lot of issues to him that I was going through. And the words of advice and the words of encouragement and some things that he went through as a player. And then when you get that type of feedback and add it to your life and your game, it really uh, it really expands your knowledge. So everything that he taught me, I'm able to share to other players and things like that. And I feel like it really benefited me uh, over my career at Penn State and helped me get through a lot just mentally because I think a lot of people don't understand the, uh, the challenges that comes with being a football player, especially – uh, when you have uh, a higher expectation and you have a um, and you have a higher standard than a lot of people around you, so I feel like that's where I was able to really gain a lot of knowledge and um, yeah, just a lot of knowledge and uh, attitude from Lavar and how he approaches everything. So uh, it was really amazing, Mr. Arrington. I hear from players like Micah oftentimes about how these mentorships work for them. What is it for you to be in a position to mentor, to have mentees, to have folks that want to follow in a legacy and want to hear what you have to say and is, are receptive to what you have to say? You have to first be receptive. You have to first be the mentee. Mm. So they're mentoring me. Mm. And and really that's, that's how I've always been uh, – a mentor to to guys that are coming through is really bouncing off of one another what they're learning and what they're going through and we just provide each other perspective so I'm learning just as much from them as they are from me and sometimes you you meet certain people and you can just tell they move at a at a higher level they just move at a different a different rate you know and Mike is like like a neo type, you know. He's just like he like the one, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of cool when you're able to listen to um, what such special guys have in their minds and what they're going through, the challenges that they experience, and just providing perspective. It's really just conversations, you know. Mentorship and menteeship is really just saying we're communicating, you know, we're able to communicate. We're able to listen to one another. And really uh, the most important part is we're able to trust one another. You know, it's a trust relationship. It's a trust give and take because we can talk about any and everything. And it's all about, you know, results, where we're trying to go, what we want to be, 
what matters. And, and those are the things um, that that truly have resonated. I mean, so much so, Micah, you know, and, and he can tell you best, but, you know, we're we're right now working together on a project with with Micah Parsons Foundation um, called First Chance to to do just that where he talks about being a mentor and giving back and us paying it forward and, and really giving back, you know, Micah has a strong passion and people may not know this about him, but he has a strong passion for, you know, helping uh, kids that have gone through things, kids that have gotten into the system um, that need, need a chance, you know, and he creatively uh, came up with the idea of giving kids that have gotten into um, maybe some bad patterns, maybe maybe into some trouble, maybe have gotten caught up into the system, um, dealing with youth youth homes and different things like that, and giving them a first chance. So to me, Micah doesn't just talk about what it is that that he's saying in terms of what mentorship represents. You know, he's living it, and and I'm just I'm just happy to be along for the ride. You know, and, and it's been it's been really, really enlightening and it's been super fulfilling for me to be a part of it. Mike, give me an example of the kind of kiddo that you are trying to reach. I say um, I see every day at home, you know, kids who have a lot of potential, a lot of worth. And, you know, um, I just say, like, I was blessed to have good parents to always keep me in sports, keep me in my place you know, show me the right manners. But maybe those kids that don't have the right influences at home, the influences around them, you know, those key pieces for you to be successful. Because we all know, we all been there when we were young, hanging out with the wrong crowd. I've got caught up uh, once or twice just being with the wrong people, not saying they're not lead to the right things. But if you get a group of kids that want to be better and they want to be get out of their subject to what they're used to, you know, we all get complacent and we're like, oh, well, I went down this path, so it's okay because my friend's coming with me. But in the day, it's really just you. You know what I mean? You came in here together. You're going to be isolated by yourself. You're going to uh, – just all these different things. And it's just like, why not change what – the why not change the pattern? So I feel like I was blessed with this opportunity for me to do this because – it's in my heart to like want to impact others and change the pattern. Like I feel like me making out of Harrisburg, the last person to do it was LaShawn McCoy, but he 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 had to go through a different route. You know what I mean? Like I was able to go to school, get my diploma, you know, and then still potentially be a first round uh, pick. And not everybody said they could do that. So I feel like I changed the pattern and people don't understand you need the school thing to do the football thing. Cause they, cause they come together as one, and most people just think, well, I'm gonna do the basketball thing and the football thing, but really, you need a school. So why don't I go ahead and teach these kids financial literacy? Why don't I give them tutoring? Why don't I give them that? Then on top of that, I can give them the football thing and the basketball thing because I've done it before. So if you take all those things, now you got kids, and then you take them on college trips. A lot of these kids from my Without my parents, they took me a lot of places. I met a lot of people. And those people that took me in because they saw my potential was taking me other places that I've never been before. If you don't ever see anything outside of your environment, you don't want to ever see anything outside your environment. So if I could take these kids, just take them to school trips, you know, 
I feel like I can always take these kids to state college. That's like home to me. I feel like I'm always going to be welcome back. If I just just take them, they're going, their whole mind will change. They're like, wow, man, like, I can't imagine what it's like to be here. And then you got a dream now. So those are just type of kids that I just want to impact and, you know, really show change into the world too because without this opportunity that I was blessed with, you know, I wouldn't be on this call with y'all today. I probably wouldn't know LeVar, you know. So it, it's just an amazing thing that, you know, I really hope that I get going. LeVar, I want to ask you a little bit different question. Uh, Mike and I got tattoos. You got tattoos? No. No? Is yes. there a reason as to why you've always no, I have to, I, I got tattoos, man. Okay. Got, you said got, no. In fact, in fact, not only do I have a tattoo, <laughs> but I got them sticks on my arm, and I got that Nittany line in your face. So when I tell you I wear my attitude on my sleeve, I wear it on my sleeve. You dig? Yeah. See, now, that made me feel good. I'm so happy to know that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, we, we talk about it, you know. We were getting after a little bit. He was telling me about himself, was telling him about myself, and it's not a part of the conversation that we usually get to have, right? And the reason I asked you if you had any tattoos is for that reason. What other ways can you come up with that have allowed you to relate to Micah? I mean, there's so many things that y'all share in common, mm-hmm. but y'all have been really tight from, from what I've read and what I've seen for quite some time. What are some of the depths that you have uncovered with him? Man, he's, it, Micah's like my child. I mean, that's, that's, he's like my child. And, and in a lot of ways, um, the things that – it's the same things I uncover with any of my other children. Hmm. Um, there's so many layers and there's so many depths that you, you get to experience and, and witness um, when you're watching them grow. You know, the best way to be a parent is just to guide the growth, stimulate the thoughts but you allow them to experience what they're going to experience. You allow them to be who they're going to be. And that's, that's been our relationship is allowing him to experience it the way he wants to experience it, to do it the way that he wants to do it. You know, ultimately to be successful in life, you have to be able to think critically and you also have to have independent thought. Otherwise you just end up being a fool of other people's uh, ambitions. And, and so for Micah, what I've always appreciated about him is funny because he'll give you the impression that he's not listening to you. You know, he's one of those, he's one of those types. It's like you're talking to him and he may be, you know, watching the television and there's a whole entire conversation that ensues. And it almost seems as though he's maybe casually involved in and out of it. And, and then when you get to the end of it and everybody stopped talking and nobody has anything left to say and then the channels are changing, then you hear Micah come up with some profound feedback on the entire conversation. Hmm. He's one of them type dudes. You know what I mean? So you got to pay attention to him because he's paying attention. And there's a brilliance in, in what it is that he does because – it, it keeps you off balance. You know, you don't realize how ultra 
there's very few people you will meet that are as ultra dialed into how competitive they are. And so because he's so competitive, it's almost like he challenges himself to come up with new ways to figure out how to best you. And, and it's fun because it keeps you on your toes. You know, for me, he's got a long way to go on beating me on a chessboard, but he's ultra competitive and ultra, ultra in tune with trying to figure out how to beat me. And, and it doesn't happen very often until I get fatigued on playing against him. Hold on, you know? hold on, hold on, hold on. LeVar, who won our last game of chess? Uh, Micah Parsons won the last game. Okay, 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 okay. Let's pause right there. Let's pause right there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show y'all something right now, and this is the reason why I beat him in chess. You know, he's just a talker. I'm actually living. You know, what I mean, I make sure my board is always ready to go because, in the end, let me just tell y'all a little story real quick, please. You know, Lavar, I, I I walked into a booby trap. You know. I was like, you know, everybody was playing chess. I was like, I don't really play chess, whatever. You know, never really got into it, right? So then I was like, okay. So he invites me over to his house. My homeboy, he plays a little chess. LeVar jumps on. I was like, let me just get a few games to see what it's looking like. He's over here checkmating me in 10 moves. I'm over here scratching my head, don't know what's going on. And then I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to start laughing. I said, give me two weeks. Two weeks come by. I'm on chess app. I'm watching videos of moves and things like that. This and, is a true story, RJ. And I and this I, is I a like, true story. I hit him up. I was like, yo, I'm coming over. So first, like three games, I'm like, he jumps on. I'm like, yo, like, all right, let me lock in. I'm figuring them out. I'm figuring them out. And he at, at, by the third game, he's like, yo, I, I want to be done. Like, I'm like, no, we're going to keep playing. Like, you're not just walking away from this table. That fourth game, jump on them. Boom. I was like, I told you I was going to beat you. Let's continue the trueness of the so story. Then he, he stopped it. He stopped it. He After that, after I beat him bad, he stopped playing me for like two weeks. And then I go over there about a week ago. He was like, Micah hasn't played me since he beat me that last game. Is he scared? So mind you, I stopped playing because my ultimate goal was just that I was going to get good enough just to beat him. So the first game, he jumps on me. I'm like, that's a warm-up. You know what I mean? I haven't played in a while. Like, my mind's not flowing. Then the second game. He won. And then we okay. drawed. And then I bounced on him again. You know, I'm going to try to play. I got to warm up. Like, let me are y'all, the warm are up y'all, I hope everyone out there who is listening to this is following the trend. He's winning at the end. So, really, the 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 count is probably like eight to two. Something to that effect. No, 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 no. But here's the thing, hey, right? Hey, 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 you know what that's saying about LeVar? He's a first half football player. You know, oh, I think here we go. I think that that might that here might be go. a difference between me and him. I know how to play me, a full me, game. Let me tell you, let me tell you. I know you. how to play a full game. I think that might be the difference in greatness because he sounds like he's just a first half player. <laughs> I'm gonna win in the fourth quarter all day, baby. I finished the games. This, That's we're what talking I'm about games. We're not I'm a, talking I'm a, about I'm a, I'm a fourth quarter we, player. We're I'm talking a, about finishing I games. I'm, gonna win. I'm a winner. You hold know, up. I keep telling. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. How often were you playing white, Micah? We were alternating. We, we, every other we alternate. Okay, we so alternate. You, you're alternating. All right. Yeah. So when you come out and you play black, 
If you come out with a Sicilian, you're going to fluster LeVar. The reason you're going to fluster him is because he's going to see it coming, and we're going to find out how patient he is. If you come out with a King's Gambit instead of a fried liver attack, which is what I probably sure got you with the first time, you're going to be able to get at him. That, that, you oh, can so use you, all the terminology. So you're so like, you a chess dude, too. I'm a chess dude, too. I'm a chess okay. dude, too. All right, so, we all, so you said we all got to come sit down and get a couple games in. Here's I would love nothing more. I would love nothing more than to get my butt kicked by either one of y'all. I, I don't I don't want to move on with this until we finish the trueness of this story. So I'm, I'm going he's to crowbar. He's so scared of you. you. Notice how he's Yo, he hates people. He's so scared of you already. Like he's you see the deflecting right taking place right now. See, the deflecting is is that the true the truth of the story is is when I dismissed him so many times in all those matches and was ready to be done. The only reason why I played him again was due to this, and you'll love this, RJ. Mm. I'm ready to get up from the table. You know what he says to me? What'd you say? What'd you say? I say, I say, if you get up, I'm done with you. Like, <laughs> no, who just... no, that ain't what he said. That ain't what he said. What'd he say? Here's what he said. I'm going to mess with you for the rest of the... <laughs> I'm going to mess with you for the rest of the night. <laughs> And when I tell you he's like my child, he is my child. So when he says he's going to mess with me, he's going to mess with me. He's literally going to mess with me the entire time. So I played him. And what do you think I did, RJ? What do you think I did? You beat him? No. I let this young man win. You know why? No. Because if I keep beating him, he's going to keep telling me he's going <laughs> That's going back to the ultra yeah. competitor yeah. that this young RJ. man is. He's RJ. not going to let me stop until he wins. So I had to let the young man. If you notice RJ. the theme of all of so, these stories, so, so, it was so, so, always so. the last game that yeah. he's won. Yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah. That's because I stopped. But you know what's funny <laughs> about him? You know what's funny? When I win the last game, that's when he's like, so you're just going to quit like that? And then he gets mad. And I say, yeah, but it's all of a sudden when he's winning, He's tired. He doesn't want to play no more. But when I win, he also he, all of a sudden he has an extra boost of energy, right? And you know, I, I just really find that crazy because if he's really the competitor that he says he is, mm. I've never in my life let anyone just win just because. That I would well, never do that. He's he still has to um get drafted. He still has to get all pro. Oh, oh, he, he pulled it up. Has to get, hey, hey, he pulled he it up. Has to get a Pro Bowl bid. Dog, oh, he hey, went hey, 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 hey. Wait, wait, hey. wait, wait. You still got to get another one after that. Ah! Then you got to hey. get another one after that. Hey, that's so, so as of right now, I actually can hold rank on saying I, I am pretty ultra competitive because I've actually proven I'm the best in, in the pro ranks where you're on your way to, and it's okay. I, I, I enjoyed being able to actually flex on you in a Fox interview. You're, you're in my house right now. You know, this is, this is an interview in my, Oh, was that competitive too? Oh, you know, oh, you know, you I'm know, sorry. You know, Did I you break know, your you know, concentration? You know, it's funny. You know, it's funny when I when I look at the record books, I don't see that Lavar Arrington ever led the team in tackles as a freshman. 
Well, that's you know, true. You know, I, that I, is I don't. True. I, I don't see that there. I, that I is don't. true. And it, it only started. You gonna one go there? Game. Are you Are you really going? Are you gonna yeah, go there? Started one game. Are you gonna go there? You know, Lavar was a three year guy. You know, and you compare our first two year stats. Let's who. Who played better in their first two years? I think we should pull up some stats real quick because well, I didn't like how. Well, if if we're going to be competitive, because whoever it is that's reaching out to you and, and saying, oh, I love you, Micah Parsons. You're the greatest football player of all time. They forgot to tell you that LeVar is still the only true sophomore in the history of the Big Ten to win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. <sighs> He was an All-American consensus. <gasps> I was an All-American consensus, And then he came back and followed too. that up with being the first ever linebacker. You were a linebacker, weren't you? Weren't you a linebacker? <laughs> oh, because the last I checked, I was the first linebacker to bring that Buckus Award back to, to Penn State. I so I just, I'm just I didn't saying, have my third you know what I mean? I, 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 I don't know year. what you're trying to do I think, here. I truly believe. If I had my third year, I would have won the buckets, and our careers would exact align exactly I, where they. I believe to be. you. I believe you. I do not disagree with you. I think you would have been the defensive player of the year. I think you would have probably even been up for the Heisman. That's how talented you are. But all right. That only, hey, 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 almost and should have, would have, could have only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, baby. I got that hardware in the crib. <laughs> it's not even in this house. It's not even in this house. <laughs> so it would be at your house. That's what you're telling me. It would be at your house. It would be, it'd be on the middle on display. It would, it would hold weight. It don't hold enough weight for him. He's got a point there. No, it does hold weight. I just moved. But go ahead. Go ahead, RJ. I digress. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was really interested in the conversation around chess, right? Uh-huh. And the reason yeah. I was interested is you obviously were playing, and he thought it was cool that you were playing. Getting the kiddos into chess or having them think about chess, I yes. thought was always a good way to think about football mm-hmm. because it's all offense and defense. It's all scheme, and it's all precision. Why did you get into chess? And then, Micah, why do you keep playing chess other than to beat LeVar? I just it, think chess – oh, you go, LeVar. You know? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I just look at chess like life, and I like how it makes me think because my next move could be my last move, my next move could be my best move, and my next move could potentially make me weaker mm-hmm. for a moment but could t- potentially make me stronger in the next move. And, you know, I just like how – it just feeds off each other. And, 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 you know, I hate to say the race thing, but the chess, how if you have a certain side, how you always got an advantage. There's always an advantage and there's always a there's always a person that's in disadvantage, you know. And people don't like to understand and accept that. And I be trying to explain to people. And life, some people just have more advantage, you know. White has the most advantage in the game because you get to set the pace for the game. You get to start off. You get the first move. You get to dictate how the game goes because you're, 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 you're going first the whole game and people don't like to hear that, but it's the true reality of things. So I like chess because it translates to everything you have in life, life, reality, football, and just general concepts of strategic thinking and strategy. 
if you know someone likes to set a certain way up, why wouldn't you find a defense for it? You know what I mean? So just about game planning and everything that you do in chess just translates to everything I do. So that's why I keep playing. I probably play cool. uh, like five, ten, like three, depending on the type of night, at least three to ten games a day now. It's pretty dope. I hadn't even thought of it that way. Um, I, I, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sport that my, my, it's a, I hate to call it a game because it's not a game. Um, even though it is, it's, it's, but I kind of like call it a sport. My, my father taught me it when I, I was younger and he always told me if you unlock your, your, your thinking, if you unlock your thoughts, then you become, and you become a person that has an opportunity to uh, master their mind. And, and playing chess is one of those games where you exercise mastery of your mind. Um, he's right. If you go first on the board, you have uh, what would be perceived a competitive advantage because you, you get to go first. So, so basically, you get the opportunity to try to get to where you're going strategically before your opponent. But you also begin to learn that as, as, as you get more and more comfortable with how the board works, with how, how the pieces move and understanding uh, what it is that your purpose is, right? Then you begin to realize that it doesn't matter if you go first or if you go second, as long as you stay true to your purpose, and you focus in and you dial in on what it is that your cause is and what your purpose is and how they're connected, then you move and you, you, you navigate knowing that as, as he mentioned, you know, some of the pieces are more important than, than the others perceivably a pawn. There's so many pawns. There's way more pawns than there are any other pieces on the board. They're considered to be the most expendable piece on the board. Yet the pawn can end up being the most powerful piece that you could use in terms of strategic play and positioning yourself on the board in terms of being able to get to another another piece. You can you can trade in that pawn if you get it to the back line of your opponent. There are a lot of reasons why the pawn could be the most powerful piece. And generally speaking, uh, one of the most intricate pieces to having success in the game. So for me, I just love learning about me. I always felt like I was able to do things physically on the football field. I've been able to do things mentally in life because I have mastery of my mind. My mind forces me to do what it is that I want to do in my life. And I have no excuses. I'm not a victim. I'm not entitled. I just earn it. And I go out there with a strategy and a purpose and a plan and, and we get it done. And I, I love clashing with guys like Micah who really think that, you know, that they can actually outduel me in a game like in a, a, a sport like chess, especially when he hasn't been playing long enough to even be close enough to being beat him. adept at beating me. But I beat him. You see how important that is. You see, you see how you see how happy he is. I'm not as happy about beating him as he is about beating me. I get, and we're going to keep track. We're going to keep score from here on out. By the way, well, for his career, we're going to check in with you and we're going to keep score. 
That's what I see. You with me on that. I want you to keep me informed about how his progress is going. Micah, I I want you to keep me informed about how your progress is going. Hit me up on the chess app. Hit me up on the chess website. I help you. I help you. We'll we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him together. Let me get a couple games in. I'm I'm here for it. That's Micah Parsons. That is LeVar Arrington, two of the best defenders ever to play at Penn State. Micah, good luck in the upcoming NFL draft. Mr. Arrington, thank you so much for coming through and putting us on game. This was way more fun for me than I think either one of y'all know. Thank you so much. Of course, man. I appreciate you for having me. Uh, Much love. Indeed. So that was fun. Micah Parsons, LeVar Arrington showing up, of all things, to talk about chess, but really to drive home the point that Micah Parsons is one of the most competitive dudes available in this draft, and LeVar Arrington is very excited to see if Micah Parsons can reach that bar that he set for him in the NFL. And you know, that segues nicely into the wide receiver comparisons that I want to talk about, because if you're going to compare Micah Parsons to anybody... That ain't a superhero. LeVar Arrington is a great place to start with that. I mean, they look like the same dude wearing the same number at Penn State. It's kind of eerie when you really think about it. But I want to talk about these wide receiver comparisons because I understand that having someone to really compare to another player is how people interact with their teams and also makes you feel warm and fuzzy about who that dude could be. And that's what I wanted to do here. So like, start with Jalen Waddle coming out of Alabama, who I believe is wide receiver one, and that is somehow controversial. Even though Jalen Waddle was the starter at the position Devontae Smith took over, makes you believe that Holman Wiggins and Steve Sarkeesian and Nick Saban also think he's wide receiver one. That said, Devontae Smith has over 1,800 yards receiving and was the first dude to win the Heisman Trophy in 30 years, right? So we'll talk about him too. But the way that Waddle is able to make highlight real catches and the way that he is able to accelerate and change direction really reminds me of one guy in particular. And when you look at the catches and you look at his size, I think you would agree that Jalen Waddle is not unlike Odell Beckham Jr. From his ability to stretch the field to his ability to make himself the last dude you want to cover and be open. I really love this for whomever gets to draft Jalen Waddle because the other part about this is he was going up against some of the best in college football. His roommate in college was Pat Sertan, right? And Pat Sertan was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year and the first corner to win that award at Alabama. Knowing that those two dudes have been knocking on each other For the past couple years, you have to feel good about that. And we all know what Odell Beckham Jr. is capable of when he is on. Next guy on this list is actually a tight end, but I think you'll get this here. Because Kyle Pitts is that dude. He's so much that dude that he won the Mackey Award. But he also sees himself as a pass catcher. So much so that when he was at Abington in Pennsylvania, he wanted to play tight end. And his coach wanted him to play quarterback. Trying to talk this dude into playing quarterback. Said, nah, coach, I'm a tight end. Said, okay, get in a three-point stance. So Kyle got into a three-point stance. And his coach told him, no, that's not good enough. You'll never make it. You ought to play quarterback. 
Not only did he not play quarterback, which I've never heard of somebody being talked out of not playing quarterback <laughs> to play tight end, but the man told his mama, hey, look, uh, coach want me to play quarterback. I want to play tight end. All right, you want to transfer? Yes, I want to transfer. Okay, let's go to Archbishop Wood where they said you can do whatever you want. It's fine. Tight end, defensive end, punter, kick return. I don't care because he's that guy at six foot six, 245 pounds. Can run in the high four fours in the 40-yard dash, which is stupid. I see him as Mike Evans, who's every bit of six foot five, and is also a 7-Eleven fruit, uh, fruit chain, right? Because like 7-Eleven is always open, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. That's Mike Evans, who caught touchdown passes from Jameis Winston, 30 picks in there as well, and from Tom Brady, and from Johnny Manziel. Like, it doesn't matter. Mike Evans is going to catch the football. And I think that's who Kyle Pitts is going to be. And I think that's one of the reasons you're hearing about him as the best non-quarterback available in this draft. Next guy I want to talk about is one that you heard from earlier on the number one ranked show. And one of the short kings. And you know how we feel about the short kings. We put on for the short kings here. Mama A. Rondale Moore squats 600 pounds, ran 4.29 seconds in the 40-yard dash and was a consensus All-American. Well, not consensus. He was an All-American as a freshman. I want to get that right. And the reason I want to get that right is because there are only two other dudes that earned All-American as freshmen. One of them is All Day, Adrian Peterson, who is an actual mutant. And the other was Herschel Walker. So it go like that. It go Herschel Walker, AD, and Rondell Moore. And then to know this man has the kind of head on his shoulders that I think we would all want on ours, where he's talking about the price of wood in building a house. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really simple time reading the playbook. And if you really are looking for a guy that can take the ball on a quick screen but can also stretch the defense through the middle of the field, outrun anybody that's chasing him, you're probably going to take Rondell Moore in the same way that you would take another guy that I think he's just like and Tyreek Hill. But where Tyreek Hill has made more than his fair share of headlines, I think you're going to get that with Rondell Moore. right? I think you're going to get a guy who's going to study, who would call David Blau up at Purdue at 1 in the morning and say, yo, what am I supposed to be doing on this? Because I see this and I see that. And will study and study and study, so much so that he was an academic All-American while earning All-American on the field. 3.71 GPA. And why did he get a 3.71? Because the man ended up with an 89.9 in English with a professor that refused to round up. Now, as a dude that was pursuing a PhD in English at Oklahoma State, I got to tell you, you to call me up, I don't care if you're a football player, I don't care if you're janitor, and you want a little bit of extra credit to try to get you to an A, that would have been me, right? I'm that guy. I'm apparently a little bit softer than the folks at Purdue, but Purdue ain't exactly, you know, a diff, uh, it's a very difficult school. So it's a smart person school, as my sister would say. My brother-in-law got a PhD in computer science from Purdue, so I, I get more than my fair share of hate mail from those folks up there. That said, I think he's going to be a steal for somebody in this draft because he's already moving down boards, and I don't get that. Next guy on the list that I want to talk about is Jamar Chase. Now, Jamar is interesting because his best tape, two years ago, 2019, he also won the Bolitnikoff Award. And, you know, 
might have won a Heisman Trophy if his quarterback wasn't his quarterback. But to know that he is at six foot one, about 219 pounds, can run in the four threes, has tremendous hands, and was eating up people in 2019, you understand the comp here. I mean, the thing that I always remember about Jamar Chase and playing in that national championship game against Clemson is that there's a corner that went in the first round Garden up one Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase went for bucket after bucket after bucket. Okay? Another dude that does that is DeAndre Hopkins, who's got tremendous hands, right, to go along with tremendous hair because you know how we feel about the locks over here. The lock journey is, is crucial, and these dudes wear helmets with the locks. But that man's always open. He was doing yeoman's work in Houston. He showed up to do the same amount of work in Arizona. I think he is one of the great wide receivers of the past 10 years, and that's what Jamar Chase can be. So if you draft him, throw, the, throw him the ball a bunch, but also know that he's probably going to be open as often as one DeAndre Hopkins. And the last guy that I want to talk about on the list is Devontae Smith. Now, if we're going to knock Devontae, it's because when he turns sideways, he disappears. I'm joking. But he is smaller, right? Tiny waist, tremendously fast, tremendously shifty. But who else was like that? Who else had measurables like Devontae Smith, but also hands like Devontae Smith? Dude named Marvin Harrison out of Indianapolis, right? Playing with another dude named Peyton Manning. How old am I? Marvin Harrison Jr. is at Ohio State playing wide receiver right now. Yeah, you that old too. So if you need to go back into the YouTube machines and watch you some Marvin Harrison highlights to get a better understanding of what we're doing, do that. Because there was no colder possession receiver in the NFL than Marvin Harrison. Now imagine if you had a Marvin Harrison who continuously could take the top off the defense as well. That's what you get into Devontae Smith. I am floored by the kind of talent once again, at wide receiver in this draft after last year's draft because we are just doing this great thing of pumping them out. And I thought that this draft would be just a little bit different, and it is because nobody is going to know less ahead of this draft than they have in the internet age ever because nobody got to work anybody out like you want to. We didn't have an NFL scouting combine, and we had a number of opt-outs. And one of the best questions that I received all week was getting at this. This was left in a review on Apple to show you that I'm checking them, right? But this is from F.H. Sharp, who asked, RJ, going forward, do you see players opting out of their third year if they are projected to be drafted highly? Sewell, Chase... Farley, and Parsons are all going to be drafted highly despite not playing in 2020? It's a really good question from a longtime listener and subscriber to the channel, and I appreciate you, Felix. But I don't see that happening. The reason I don't see that happening to start is my buddy Jerry Ostrowski played 10 years in the NFL, a majority of those with the Buffalo Bills, would tell me over and over again, RJ, the best thing about playing football is playing football. We can talk about the NFL draft. We can talk about working out. But what you want to be doing is playing the game and playing the game that you love. The other reason that I don't think that this is going to be normal 
is because these decisions are not made lightly, man. They want to play football. As much as you think that these dudes want to get paid, I would point you to the 2020 season when I thought if there was ever a time for a college football player to say, I don't think I'm going to do it this year. It's in the middle of a pandemic, especially in a sport where nearly half of Power 5 players and even more than that outside of the Power 5 are black. And COVID-19 was disproportionately affecting black folks. So much so that one of the things that kept Micah Parsons from playing for Penn State in 2020 was he's a father. And he was trying to care for his young son, putting himself in harm's way, perhaps bringing home a virus. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't the way you do that, man. That ain't the way that you try to dad. And knowing that I still don't risk my future... By taking care of myself, yeah, I'm going to opt out. But I guarantee you Michael wanted to play football. And I guarantee you he would have wanted to try to put on the kind of season that would have had him mentioned as one of those linebackers up for the Heisman. Not unlike Zayvon Collins at TU last year. I also think that it's wild to think about this because so many people believe, because the money's so big, that players are greedy. When... All they really want is to be compensated like their peers are compensated to play the sport. Protecting your NFL future is one thing, but also we have data to show if you are good, if you are talented, and you blow out a knee, right? You dislocate a shoulder, one of those things that end your season, we will still draft you. Take a look at my Dallas Cowboys, all right? We got a linebacker, had reconstructed surgery out there doing it, right? Many of y'all know about Sean Lee and his injuries. Y'all know about Leighton Van Der Esch and his. Those dudes play professional football for the most marketable football team in America, period. And they've been injured. That's okay, right? If you got to sit out the season to take care of yourself, do that. But I refuse to believe that we're going to see this as a normal thing because I had Justin Fields showing up with a We Want to Play sticker and a petition with 300,000 people signing saying, yo, let me play football. And that dude had everything to lose. And yet and still shows up to play. Nah, I don't think this is going to be normal. I think you're going to see it here and there for reasons that perhaps won't be made known for some time because people's privacy is people's privacy. But I also believe that most people are doing the best they can. And I hate that that's not where we're at. I believe that people are doing the best job and they are not trying to make mistakes. I don't believe that most people are trying to game a system. I think most people want to do good work. And the way that a football player does good work is by playing football. All right, that is our show. If you liked it, please Leave a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, number one ranked show with me, RJ Young. We are putting stuff out at a breakneck pace. And check it, man. Episode five? It's the Pat Stan! Which is so much fun! I grew up watching Pat Sertan's dad play at Southern Miss, right? Like my mom graduated from Southern Miss. So that meant a whole lot to me just in general, but also talk a little bit about what it's like 
to play at Alabama and to play the position that Nick Saban coaches the hardest. It's a really great and outstanding show, and I hope you will give it your time. All right, that is it for me. Doses. <laughs>